Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, you can grab a seat. Uh, Good morning. Uh, We live in a culture, in a world where it is difficult to focus. Right? We have so many things, so many relationships and responsibilities and diversions and distractions, all these things that are competing for our attention simultaneously. They are, they're wanting our attention. They're wanting our affection. And many times we find ourselves unsure of where to really put our time and energy and our focus. Right? And yet in the middle of these overwhelming options, what's beautiful is that our God has given us the book of Philippians, that there was this letter written to a church thousands of years ago that yet still holds this beautiful, eternal truth that God has given us that focuses, that really guides our hearts and minds and provides a focus for our faith that shows us what is following Jesus really all about. This is a focus that we've talked about over the last few weeks that begins with focusing and seeing the people around us because the ultimate focus of our faith is on the people, the eternal souls in our midst that God loves, that Jesus died for, that we should then see just as our God sees them. And then we move forward with a purpose, a focus on a purpose that God has given us to advance the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to live out the life that he has set as an example before us, to follow his lead. And as we're doing these things, what we'll see this morning is that the focus then becomes, as we are seeing these people and moving with this purpose, the focus becomes our unity as a community as we move forward in that pursuit. And yet what we'll find this morning is that unity doesn't just happen, right? It doesn't just happen naturally. We don't naturally just put a bunch of musicians on stage and be like, play a song. And they're like, uh, and like, they don't just do it. They, can't, they have to practice, right? They have to work at it. Football teams, they need practice, right? Ours, we don't anymore. We, find, we won, okay, it's okay. Uh, but we need practice, right? You have to learn plays. You have to learn procedures. You have to learn where do people fit? Where do people go? You have to work at this unity that we want with one another. And our community as the body of Christ is no different. We should be unified as the body of Christ moving forward towards other people, advancing the gospel. And yet we have to pursue that unity with one another because naturally we are not always lining up with each other in how we think or feel or act. It, even within the church, disunity is all around us. Jesus, I am go. late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the spirit, but y'all need to move. Oh, she is going to wear that into ch- Bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church. It's just like come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Does this jacket go with this shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents expected mother who doesn't have a parking spot these days i have been here 27 years i deserve respect oh yeah go ahead take my parking spot she listen she probably needs jesus more than me honestly use your mirror how long does it take to back out of a jesus give me strength this is so honestly there better be coffee there better be coffee y'all are gonna make me park in a handicap spot oh look there go the homeschoolers i swear if somebody took the last jelly donut i will don't make me get out of the oh move hey, that you co- on the ministry team not today okay oh you're gonna drive a lexus okay i know where your treasure's at not in heaven the sermon series is what putting others in front of yourself oh this doesn't apply to me 
as illustrated by this video that my mom sent me this week, uh, we, we see that there is disunity in our midst, man. We, we know that there are divisions between us. There are people that you're sitting near right now, maybe even, that, that you know that you came with and you're like, man, there's, I don't know, there's this thing. Like there's, there's this issue with my roommate or this issue with my classmate. You're in a group project right now and you're like, Lord, may I not, I wish I wasn't. Like you know that there is disunity that occurs even between believers. And so what Paul is going to do is he's writing to the Philippians, he's writing to this church that he founded of these believers that he loves and cares about. He says, you've got to work at being unified. He says, you've got to focus on this. You have to work at being a united, harmonious body. He says it requires effort. He says, and this is something that you're going to hear not only from me, but from a lot of different sources. He starts off in chapter two saying, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the spirit, any affection or mercy from the God, the father, he is talking in this kind of weird Greek way of what's actually happening in the language is He's not actually allowing room for no to any of these. This is sort of a, it's an assumed yes. In other words, it's an assumed, of course, there's encouragement in Christ. And, and therefore, of course, there's comfort by, provided by love. Of course, there's fellowship in the spirit. Of course, there's, there's affection or mercy. And what he's saying is that there is this kind of unified message that's coming to you from all these different sources. He says, Christ is telling you this, you're, you're gonna, there's this love that he's referring to. It's probably the love, the affection that he's already talked about that he feels for them. This, this love that he just, he's got just deeply rooted in his heart and his soul for these people. He says, you're hearing it from me. You're hearing it from the spirit, right? The spirit is moving you in this direction. God has given you this incredible mercy that's moving you in this direction. He is telling you, you are hearing the same message from all these different sources. So that means that this is really important, right? In other words, you should really kind of perk up. You should, you should listen to what is being said. If you're receiving overwhelming advice, from a number of different sources, that's something to pay attention to. When I was coming into college, my freshman year of fall of 2006, all right, uh, we, uh, I had the great idea. I thought, oh, well, I've been doing school a long time. I know it's, you know, like I went to high school, whatever. And so I was like, I'll, you know, I took all these classes in high school. College should be no different. I'm not working a job. I will just take 18 hours my first semester of college. And as soon as I said that, I heard grunt, just like random people on the street. Oh, they just felt, they felt for me. If they knew, they, they would just know, they just sensed it in my aura. And so as I would tell people this, they were like, no, like every single person, except my dad. My dad was the one guy, he's the one that put it in my mind. He was like, you can do it. He's like, you'll be, you'll be great, whatever. And I was like, thanks dad. And I went and I think I walked out with about 10 of those hours. I think I walked away with about 10 of those hours at the end of that semester. Why? Because it was a terrible idea. It was my first moment in college, and I took 18 hours, and all these dudes that I worked with, like college students that I had been working with, uh, college students that were my youth leaders, just people that I was interacting with, again, just like people on the street, don't do it. Like, they just, they would all say, don't do this. It was this overwhelming advice that I just ignored. And yet there's something significant about hearing the same message from a lot of different people, from a lot of different sources. Paul says, you are hearing from all these different sources the exact same thing, which is that you should complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, by being united in the same spirit, by having the same purpose. He says, this is what you're hearing from me, from Christ, from the spirit within you, from the God, the father who loves you. He says, this is what you're hearing. You need to be unified. 
You need to band together. He says, you need to seek this out with one another. And he lays it out in kind of these three different areas. He says, this is a unity that you should pursue in in your minds, right? In other words, you need to have the same mind. You need to think in the same way. You should have the same love. You should feel in the same way as one another. And then he says, and because of this spirit that's moving all of you, you should have the same purpose. It's how you think, it's how you feel, it's how you live. All of these things should be unified across your community. And he says, and yet I know that instinctively, that naturally, you're not going to do this. That's why immediately immediately he moves into some of the hindrances, some of the issues, the obstacles that arise as we try to be unified. He says, because I know that you're going to be motivated by selfish ambition or vanity. So so instead of that, you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. He says, I know that just in and of yourselves, naturally, you are going to give into selfish ambition. You're going to give into selfish vanity. In other words, when he talks about this ambition, this term in the Greek, he's he's talking about this, this natural desire to compete, to win. Right? Selfish ambition is, is basically the, the idea that I need to win. I need more, right? I got to fight and scrap and scrounge and scramble for more, specifically more than these other people. It's this competitive edge. I need more. I need to be better than these other people. I need to go out and get what I think I need for myself. Scoot over so there's space for Olive there on the bench. Oh, be nice. You guys can sit together. Seriously? Ambition. Right from the get-go. Paul says, I know that this is going to arise in your, in your mind. He says, I know this isn't going to be a normal way for you to think, to actually put others above yourself, to consider others more important than yourself. You're going to look at that bench. You're going to say, like, I need to spread out on this bench. And I need to push my twin off of the bench because I need it. Right? This is the ambition that shows up in our lives where we think, I need the better grade. Right? I, it's not that I need to do well in school. I need to do better in school than my sibling used to or than this uh, roommate of mine does or than these other classes. I need to beat that curve, not just to do, be excellent in every endeavor as unto the Lord, but I need to beat it because I want to beat those people. I want to make sure that I'm lifted above the rest. I want to have the better status. And I'm going to fight for it. And I'm going to scramble for it. I'm going to scrounge for it. I'm going to do whatever it takes to achieve that level of recognition, to achieve that salary, that paycheck, that number that I can, I can just, oh, I can feel so affirmed by. That relationship that I want to have that, with that other person that maybe is really healthy. And I don't want this healthy, awesome dating relationship just like to be awesome. I, I want to make sure that this is an awesome relationship so that other people can see how wonderful we are. The selfish ambition that creeps into our motivations, that creeps into our minds and the way that we think about the world. That's inward focus. There's this idea that, man, I need to fight and and pursue more for myself. I need to beat these other people. I need to have the better attitude. I'm going to be chipper and nice, not because I genuinely care about other people, but just because I want to look like I've got it more together than the rest. I want to create this atmosphere. I want to create this personality. I want to have this lifestyle. That's better. That people look at me and they say, wow, look at that guy. Look at that girl. Oh, man. There's something within us that's broken. 
that then generates the selfish ambition that Paul knows is going to arise. He says, I know you're going to fight because of this ambition. He says, I know you're also going to fight and you're going to be divided because of your vanity. In other words, if ambition is this idea that I need to win, vanity is I hate to lose. It's the bitterness and resentment that arises when you fail at beating out other people because there's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be a higher grade. There's always going to be a higher paycheck. There's always going to be a better, more beautiful relationship. You're, you're not going to win. And Paul says, when that happens, you're going to give in to this selfish, this vanity, this bitterness, and this resentment, this idea that you sit down and you look at what you have and you think, I deserve more. I deserve more. I've been dealt a, a rough hand. This isn't what I deserve. I, I should have been given more. And it's, it's destructive. It's rot. It's rot. Selena Gomez is a nat- national treasure that has been given to us by God, okay? I just want you to just start off with that. Wizards of Waverly Place is one of the greatest cultural <laughs> artifacts we have. And I also have been watching early, or like late 90s Barney with my daughter, early 2000s Barney. And I don't know if you know this, but Selena Gomez was on Barney when she was like eight, and she's the most precious person I've ever seen. And so... When I saw a few months ago that she'd become the most followed person on Instagram, I was like, I get it. I get it, right? She deserves it. And when she became the most followed person on Instagram, all these people wanted to talk about it. They were all like, there, there were these interviews and these discussions of like, oh, what's she going to do? Like, oh, man, this is amazing. And Vogue was talking to her specifically about this. They, it kind of was brought up in this kind of overarching conversation about her celebrity status and kind of what she was doing. And so they were asking about Instagram, and she revealed that actually she had just deleted the app off of her phone, and she had just given all of the control over her account to her assistants, to some people that worked for her. And they were like, why? Why would you do that? You have 130 million people following you on Instagram. It's like easily double anyone else in this room, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's amazing. They said, why would you do that? And she said, she explained, she says, as soon as I became the most followed person on Instagram, I sort of freaked out. She said, I, it, be, it had become so consuming to me that it's what I woke up to and it's what I went to sleep to. I was an addict and it felt like I was seeing things I didn't want to see. Like it was putting things in my head I didn't want to to care about. And I always end up feeling like uh, poop uh, is what I'm going to use uh, when I look at Instagram. 130 million followers. National treasure. Selena Gomez. Was finding herself in this vicious cycle of comparison. Of looking at Instagram, of seeing these other people, of seeing the things that were going on, the comments, or whatever it might have been. And suddenly she knew, man, this isn't a healthy place. She said, This is why I'm kind of under the radar now. I'm ghosting it a bit. Because she recognized this isn't good. This isn't healthy. This is rot. This is destructive. So she got out. She said, I got to remove myself from this whole comparison game. And that's where we find ourselves. Paul said thousands of years ago, our God has revealed to us through Paul, hey, you know what? This is going to pop up everywhere with everyone. You're going to find yourself motivated by selfish ambition. You're going to find yourself embittered by selfish vanity. 
and it's going to divide you. It's going to work against the unity that you should have with one another. We're going to still find ourselves satisfied with others' failure. And that's where vanity pops up a lot of times, is we see someone try and fail, and we kind of feel a little bit better about ourselves or about the situation, because they didn't really deserve it. Or why would they succeed where I didn't? Or, or yeah, you know what? They failed. I'm so much better. I feel a little bit, oh, just that boost. When that other relationship falls apart after mine did. When that grade doesn't come through after mine didn't. Suddenly we find ourselves feeling better when other people feel worse. Or we find ourselves dissatisfied with what we have. We find ourselves in this vicious comparison game where we look at our life, we look at the the, the friends we have or the car we drive or the family we have or the job we have or the major we're in or the grades that we've been given and we look at these things and we think, you know what? I deserve more than this. Like, this isn't enough. Like, this isn't what satisfies. Like, I, I want more. I deserve more. And we find ourselves bitter, not just maybe at other people, but bitter at maybe ourselves of missed expectations, bitter at God because why didn't he do these things? Why didn't he say these things? Give me these things. We find ourselves dissatisfied and discontent and it's so divisive that Paul says, you gotta get that out. He says, you need to cling to our gospel. The reality that our God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live and die and rise again for us, that he would see other people. He saw other people. It's so important. They said, I'm going to step out of heaven. I'm going to step on to earth. I'm going to take the role and, and the responsibility. I'm going to take the form of a servant and I'm going to suffer and die because I know that these other people are worth it. When we look at the people around us, we should realize that, that God has given them this value he has imparted upon every single person around us the value of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? Jesus died for the sins of the world. So when we look at these other people, we look at these classmates or these roommates or these family members, these friends, whoever they might be, we realize Jesus died for you. Wow. <laughs> that is an incredibly high value given to your life. Suddenly when we think about each other, it's different. When we think about ourselves, it should be different. We realize, wow, Jesus died for me. I, I can be content in all circumstances because I know that my God loves me and cares for me. He sent his son to die for me. Praise the Lord. Discontentment and worship cannot coexist in our minds. So we push out that discontentment. We say, no, I'm gonna praise God for what he's done, for what he's doing, for what he will do. We look at other people and we say, how could I possibly be bitter against you? How could I possibly hold things against you, resentment against you? Because Jesus Christ died for you. So whether or not you did something wrong against me or whether or not maybe I'm just kind of putting these wrong expectations or feelings on you, either way, it's not supposed to happen, right? Like I can't hold these things against you because Jesus Christ died for you to atone for those mistakes, for those failures, for that brokenness. The same way he died for me, he died for you. And so we find ourselves being able to push out discontentment and bitterness with, with contentment, with, with joy and satisfaction, with worship, and with forgiveness. We find ourselves being able to think in a new way. When we look at the world and we realize that, you know, when people are still going to sin, there's an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the whole world. 
we realize, man, Jesus Christ has given these people incredible value. And if we're unified with that mind, with that thought, with that thinking, think of what we could accomplish. Think of how we would move and live differently in light of that truth being at the forefront of our minds. Jesus Christ died for these people. That our God has saved us from destruction. We, we have this incredible opportunity to be unified in the way that we think, but also in the way that we feel by having not just the same mind, but the same love. Paul says he, we need to consider, we need to be concerned not only about our own interests, but about the interests of others as well. In other words, he's saying don't just think these things. Don't, let's just, don't let this just be a, a, mind, a, a perspective shift, a mindset change. He says actually feel this, right? Let this sink in from your head into your heart. Let this be something that you actually care about one another. It says, because otherwise I know that your loves are gonna naturally divide from one another. The way that you feel about certain circumstances or ideas or, or whatever it might be, the way we feel, it's gonna lead us naturally in different directions. Our feelings will, will divide our community. It's just the way that it goes. Hi everybody, it's Paul. You know, a lot of people ask me, uh, after a long day of voiceover or writing or doing all those creative things that I do, um, how do I relax? Well, like many other Americans, uh, I come home and I, I pet my dog. You see, petting the dog is one of the most relaxing things you can possibly do. It releases a hormone called oxytocin, which reduces stress. Also, it lowers your heart rate and it lowers your blood pressure. Plus, people who pet their dogs are five times more likely to live longer than people who just have cats. Plus, the dogs like it so much, and it's a nice bonding experience. Our feelings can be very different in the exact same experience, right? The exact same, the, the act of petting brings about different feelings in different individuals. And we see this in our lives. We realize that, man, as we move forward in life, as we kind of are, are passionate or we're concerned, or we're, we're like really on fire about certain ideas or issues, man, other people don't always share that with us. In other words, our natural feelings and loves, it will lead us away from one another. That's just, that's just what happens. And a lot of times this plays out where we are passionate about something or someone. And because of that passion, because we're pursuing that feeling, we wind up ignoring the needs of other people or the feelings of other people. Some of us lack empathy. All of us lack it to some extent, some of us more than others. And we forget that, man, the, what, the things that I say, the way that I act, the stuff that I do, the, the lack of a text message or the overabundance of text messages, the, the, the not liking that one post on Instagram versus too much liking it, whatever it might be, the things that I do matter. And it changes the way that other people feel. It, it changes the way that they, that they see themselves or they see our relationship or they see the world. And suddenly we find ourselves in moments diverging from one another because we're all chasing our own Love, you have that roommate that just kind of just turned into a, a ghost. Why? Because they're an engineer. Or because they just started dating someone. Or because, I don't know, what, they just literally, they're gone. You, you need to call them. Like, they, whatever. <laughs> we find ourselves loving and, and feeling passionate about different things, and it leads us in these different directions. And what happens is that people get hurt because we're ignoring the feelings of others or, intentional or not, or we're ignoring their needs. We forget that, man, these people need us. 
We need each other. And yet, if I'm just so caught up in my own passions and my own feelings, I'm not even concerned about what other people might need around me. That's what I love about seeing in the church. The body of Christ can be so different. Paul's saying you have an opportunity to be so different because you've all been brought into the same family. You've been all given the same compassion. You've been saved by a God who loves you, who forgives you. Now you have the chance to forgive just as you've been forgiven. In other words, you have the chance to feel the same way that that our God feels. He's brought you into his fold, into his family, and you can have the same heart as him. You can have compassion for the world around you. You can have compassion for all these individual people. He says you, you need to care. You need to care about that. I've seen this in our body play out in so many wonderful ways. Uh, one of my favorite things is, is when people are in need, when people have loss or tragedy or whatever it might be, there is just this like, there's this secret cabal. There's this gang of women in our, in our midst, in our church, that will just bake up a storm. And they will bring the most delicious food to people in need, to people that are experiencing difficulty or, or medical things or whatever it might be. I mean, I've seen it play out. One of our staff members who was with us for the last couple of years, uh, he talked about when he was walking through this horrible tragedy where he lost his dad unexpectedly uh, to a heart attack. He said their family, was, they were in shock. And yet while they were sitting at home, he said that they got surrounded by so many carbs. He said just carbs were just coming with like lasagna and brownies and bread. He had, an, he had an aunt who brought him just like lots and lots of beer. He was like, I mean, I guess. But like all this stuff just came. He's like, I gained like 30 pounds. He's like, but it was 30 pounds of love. You know, like I, it was so affirming and encouraging to receive all these gifts, all these people that were saying, man, we want to care about you. We want to feed you. We want to comfort you. We want to be available to, to provide what you need. They cared about the needs of these other people. We, we, we move alongside each other in our needs, but we also get to rejoice with each other. We get to feel not just the same sorrows, but the same joys. One of the other college ministers here in town sent me a text just a couple of weeks ago. We, I had been praying uh, for their ministry and kind of this, uh, these events that they'd been putting on. And he just, he knew that. And so he wanted to, he sent me this text. I was like, man, I, I know it's late, but, but I wanted to let you know, like I, I wanted to, you know, share this with you because I knew you'd celebrate it with me. Um, but he, he kind of laid out this whole story of talking about how there was this student uh, who had come to this event, this gathering that they had, to a Bible study they'd been putting on. And, and she, uh, it was her first time in a Christian church. Uh, I'm just going to read this. She, she grew up Buddhist. And, and after this event, um, she was sharing with the girl who brought her that she felt so loved and so accepted that she, had been, she felt like she had been searching her whole life for God and felt like she had found him for the first time on that Thursday night. And so the girl that had brought her, she then took her to the store and she brought her, bought her a Bible and they've been having great conversations about Christ. Man, that's something that we can all rejoice in. That's something we can all be excited about. That's something that I love hearing from, from not just other ministers in town, but from the staff, from the leaders that are here in our body, they're here in our midst. I mean, we, we have an opportunity not just to share each other's struggles, but to share each other's joys. Why? Because we can be aligned with how we feel. We can be aligned with the same heart, with the same love. That's why Paul told uh, another, another group of believers that they can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, that they can live in harmony with one another, that they don't have to be haughty, but they can actually associate with the lowly. They don't have to be conceited anymore. They don't have to be so self-focused on what they think or what they feel. Suddenly they can look out of themselves and they can see, man, there's a family, there's a broader community that I'm a part of that I can 
can feel for. That's why we are continuing to send people down to Houston, down to Baytown, down to the coastal area of Texas where there's still need. It's not on CNN or Fox News as much as it used to, but man, there's still incredible need just south of us. And so we want to be a family. We want to be a body that moves towards that because we feel the destruction that those people are feeling. We're united with the same love. And so if that's something you want to be a part of, man, I would encourage you, we send a group every single Saturday. Every single Saturday, we've been sending teams to go down and help. A lot of it's just sort of manual labor type stuff. But if you go to awakenmycity.org, you, will, you can see all the opportunities that we have that, that Grace is organizing, that we've been organizing with other churches and other parachurch organizations here in town. All this movement to go and serve these people that are in need. Why? Because we feel for them. We feel for the believers that are there because we're united. We feel for the non-believers that are there because we know that ultimately they don't just need their house rebuilt, they need a relationship with the God of the universe. So as we help them with their, with their practical needs, what happens is we build bridges that allow us to then speak truth into their eternal destination. We're united not just in the way that we think, but we're united in the way that we feel. And what happens is that we've been given then. As we're moving forward in that unity, we're then able to move forward in the same direction with the same purpose. A purpose that Paul outlines perfectly. He just gives the example of Jesus Christ. He says, you need the same attitude toward one another that, Jesus, that Christ Jesus had, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. In other words, he's saying Jesus Christ in this great mystery, this thing called the kenosis, this idea that Jesus was stepping out of heaven and onto earth to live as a fully as a man and yet also still be fully God. Yet in that, in that process as he was doing that, he wasn't holding on to his, his authority and power. He was saying, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna not take advantage of these things that I could do, these, these commands I could give, this power I could enact, this authority that I could hold over people. One of the ways he explains that to his disciples is they're worried about him getting arrested and all that stuff. He says, don't you know that, that, that I, could, I could bring just literally thousands of angelic beings that could just like wreck shop on all of these enemies? He says, but I'm not going to. Why? Because this is a necessary Step. This is a necessary process for you. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, by sharing a human nature. He humbled himself by becoming, an obedi- by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He says, this purpose in front of me is so great that all these other things, man, it's just going to my own comfort, my own satisfaction, my own uh, desire for, for affirmation, for acceptance. He says, I'm, I'm going to let these things fall away because I'm so focused on this forward mo- momentum, on this forward movement, on this purpose that I've been given. He says, I'm going to move forward in obedience to be the sacrifice that humanity needs. To create opportunity for them to have relationship with the God of the universe for all of eternity. He says, I'm, I'm going to die so that they might live which is huge, that's so radical, that's so different. Because in and of ourselves, we will naturally deviate from one another in our purposes. We, we will naturally move away from, we'll naturally just run in different directions 
from one another, right? That's just how we operate. That's just who we are. As we are trying to figure out, man, what do I want to do? Like, is it school? Is it work? Is it people? Is it whatever it might be? As we're figuring those things out, what's going to happen is we set these mile markers for ourselves. We set these goal points, these endpoints, And as we run in those directions, we deviate. We take different paths from one another. It happens constantly. What time is it? Oh, it's 3 a.m. 3 a.m.? I gotta go do the thing. Richard. Helen, I have to do this. If you're a cat in the middle of the night, it's just what you do. It's what you do. You have a purpose in front of you and it takes you in that direction. It's not necessarily bad. It's different though, right? It's different. It deviates from other people. When we are moving through life as we're picking out our own purposes, what's going to happen is we will naturally deviate from one another. And yet Paul says you have an opportunity through the gospel, through the example of Jesus Christ, to be different, to find in the midst of diversity a still a, a unifying purpose. It's because otherwise, I mean, a lot of times in our lives as we're moving these different directions, what happens is that we feel misunderstood. Right? We have those moments where we think, man, I'm the only person that's applying himself. I'm the only person that's working hard in this group project, right? which might be true for some of you. I don't know. That, is probably, that might be accurate. But we think that, man, there are, there are times where, where people just don't understand me. They don't get me. We feel misunderstood or we misunderstand other people. We're, we're so busy with our pursuit. We've said this, you miss the people around you. Or, or maybe in your pursuit, and as you're moving in these different directions, you feel isolated. Right? Like I'm all, no one can understand. Like no one is with me. No one's walking alongside of me. Or maybe you feel uh, invalidated. You feel in, like you're just inconsequential, that other people are missing you because they're just busy with their things and chasing after their stuff and going to their classes or doing their work, or whatever it might be. And we find ourselves, as we're moving in these different directions, disunified, right? divided. And yet God says, I've given you a greater purpose. I've given you a unifying purpose. The spirit within you is motivating. It's calling you forward in the same direction. We all have the same purpose to advance the gospel, to speak to teach what we've been taught, to tell what we've been told, to live out the lives that we've seen our Savior live. Paul puts it this way. He says, Jesus Christ, he died for all of us so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. He says, we live for something greater. We live for something higher. He says, every single believer has been given the opportunity to, to, to move through life with this incredible divine directive. Every single point of contact, every relationship you have, every day that's given to you is a gift from God and it carries eternal potential. Do you realize that? Every person you talk with, there is eternal potential in that interaction. The people you're sitting with right now, it's not accidental. Some of you are like, yeah, we rode together. Like, but that's not, you are here for a reason. You are here with a purpose. And the people around you are no different. It's no mistake. Our God is laying the path before us that we're going to walk. Our God is creating and orchestrating this world. He's allowing things to proceed in such a way that we can fulfill this incredibly higher, wonderful purpose. 
to know God and to make him known, to help other people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. And so we're going to take advantage of that. Right here, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to interact with each other. We're going to lean in to the body. We're going to take advantage of this unity that God has given us, this community that he's provided for us. And so I know that we're coming from different places, right? I know that we have, you know, different things in our minds and on our hearts, and, and it happens, and, and I want us to talk about that. I want us to share that. Some of us, maybe we're thinking, man, I, I'm, I'm coming from a really different spot. Like, I don't know where I stand with God or with people or whatever, you know, any of that stuff. And if that's you, man, I would encourage you to reach out to us, to come and talk to us after the service. If you don't have time, send us a text sometime this week. Send us a text and just start a conversation. We would love to connect with you. We would love to talk with you about the questions or concerns you might have about Christianity, about community, about whatever we've been talking about today. But I would encourage you, even if you're thinking, man, I'm coming from a different spot or whatever, like we've been given, we just read, we've been given this opportunity to be united with the same mind and the same love, with the same purpose. And so I want us to just take a moment and, and to share with each other. I mean, this is what's been on my mind. This is what's on my heart. And then we can take, not just say that, not just be like, oh, so now you know, bye. Like, but then we pray for each other. We're, we're called to pray with and for each other, to go before God and say, God, I, I want you to move in so-and-so's life. I want you to, to move in his life, in her life. I, I, I thank you. Maybe it's not necessarily a need. Maybe it's not a concern. Maybe it's just a, a praise. It's something to rejoice over. You say, God, I thank you for what you've accomplished. Maybe that's the prayer that you have with each other. Or maybe it is. It's God, I've asked that you would give opportunity to have that hard conversation. God, I ask that you would be calming hearts or you'd calm the mind. Lord, you'd be moving in such a way that you would bring peace where there's, where there's disunity. God, that you'd be you know, giving focus where there's distraction, whatever it might be. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a couple minutes and we're gonna turn to one another. You're gonna find one or two or three partners around you. And you're gonna just briefly share. I mean, this is what's been on my mind or this is what's been on my heart. This is kind of what's been occupying my thoughts or my feelings. And share that with one another. And, and then you're going to pray. You're going to pray that God would move in those situations, however, how, whatever the need might be. All right, so maybe it's someone that you know. Maybe it's someone you don't. Probably more fun if you don't know them. Uh, and you should introduce yourself briefly. You, can be, you don't have to be super specific. You can be as vague as you want. But let's take advantage of the fact that God has put us here for a reason altogether. Not just as individuals, but as a community. So find a couple partners, share what's on your heart and mind, pray for each other. I'll wrap us back up here in a few minutes. Ready, set, go. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul is writing to a church and he's talking to them about the practice of communion. He tells them that, you know, this is a, an opportunity, uh, that practice of communion is an opportunity to just remember what God's done, to remember what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf, to remember why we're unified as a body. Because Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again so that we might live. That's what happened. That anyone who would call on his name might be saved. That anyone who, who trusts in him would be free from sin and death and would be brought into eternal life. And that, that, that's what communion is. It's an opportunity to remember what Christ has done for all of us. Not as individuals, but as, as a whole. That's why he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, 
which is for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and every time you take this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, you have an opportunity through communion to remember Jesus Christ, his body was broken. His blood was spilled. He was the sacrifice that was necessary for the sin in my life, in your life, in our lives. So as we close out with a couple more songs, we enter into a little bit more worship, praising God for who he is, for what he's done. I mean, I would encourage you, uh, if you are a believer, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, feel free to take communion. You don't have to. But just over the next couple songs, if you feel led, we would encourage you to come forward. There'll be people in the back, there'll be people in the front uh, with bread and with cups. Just an opportunity for you to remember what Jesus Christ has done. To remember why we're all in the same place. The old saying is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's what communion's for, to remind us of that truth. Let's take a moment right now and ask that God would stir our hearts and our minds towards that. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the practice of communion. Lord, this this physical reminder of the spiritual reality that we have relationship with you only by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God, we just ask that we would be a unified people, not just in this moment, but Lord, moving forward. If you would take a moment and and ask the Lord to bring to your mind, where is it that maybe disunity has taken root with a friend or a family member, classmate, roommate, whatever it might be? Pray that the Lord would convict you, would bring to your mind. I mean, this is where you've allowed division or, or bitterness or frustration. You've allowed these things to to slowly but surely push you apart from the people that God is calling you to be unified with. And then ask God, say, God, unite our minds. Give us the same thought, the same feeling. God, give me opportunity to pursue that unity. Maybe with the people that I just prayed with, Lord, give me the opportunity to reach out to them, to text them this week and encourage them, tell them that I'm still praying for them. Lord, give me opportunity to reach out to those people that you're drawing to my mind right now. God, let us be a body that is one as we move forward with the purpose of proclaiming your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Ask him to move in that way right now.